Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally, not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. Welcome to Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. This is Dr. Dan. Freedom Forum Radio is for you, faithful listeners, no matter who you voted for or what political party you belong to. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is not about politics. It's about principle. It's not about candidates. It's about conscience and the Constitution. Like the name implies, this is a program about freedom, individual freedom, your freedom, where it comes from, what it means to you, and most importantly, how to hang on to it. We pick up right now where we left off last week on Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum with Magic Bob Levy. The, the point is that this gold plays an enormous, gold and precious metals play a, a huge role. They do play a huge role. In wealth preservation. It'll always be that way, too. And that's what I wanted you to talk about. Uh, Wealth preservation. And get into, again, okay, people might say, well, how can gold be wealth preservation? Its value is going down, going down now, even though they intuitively know that the dollar is also going down. And they're saying, you guys who've been looking at gold as a wealth preservation are nuts. Right. What do you say to that? Well, you know, I, you know, I always look to history. That's what I always look to. And history sort of bears itself out. And, and uh, throughout history, gold has been what men fight and die for. Gold has been uh, what, you know, what has created a lot of the exploration uh, throughout the world. And, and I feel like gold and, and precious metals will always be that way. And, and so... Um, you can't you can't really measure the paper dollar to the gold standard, although that's how we you know that's the way we create the value. You have to really open your eyes and take a look around. Uh, today, um, there are things that are a lot more valuable than than paper dollars. Okay, things like water is a whole lot more precious to us than paper dollars. Food is a lot more precious. Uh, weapons are a lot more precious. Bullets, if you will, are a lot more precious to us. Uh, gold and silver because it's a, a pretty steady currency uh, and can be traded for is a lot more precious. And uh, so these are some things that are you know, coming about in our lifetime, which I never thought would ever come about in my lifetime. But it's, it's getting real. It's going moving back toward the 100 years ago, 200 years ago when we were all entrepreneurs today. So many people don't have jobs. They've got to figure out a way to sustain themselves. 
you know, if they're going to depend on the government, they're really going to be in trouble, okay? They're going to have to figure out a way to get out there, go to work, take jobs they might not ordinarily take, fight to educate their kids and get them um, involved in, in, in the growth of this country again so that we can take our country back and, and make it stronger and better than ever. So I think we're moving backwards in, in, that, in that regard. We're moving out of the industrial age and moving into back into the entrepreneurial age where you better be able to figure out a way to trade with your neighbor and trade with your friends and trade with your community so that you can live and eat and breathe and, and have the quality of life that you and I are used to, which is really incredible to tell you. Well, I agree with you to a certain extent is that there are a lot of people who are moving in that direction. The counterbalancing force for that are all of those people who depend for absolutely everything on the government. Right. And that's the, that's it's something kind of that scary, we, though. It is very scary because we've never had that before in this country. Back in the 1800s, uh, when our country was growing like, 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 like weeds and wildflowers, okay, because of that, free, that vibrant free market economy, everyone was part of the economy. Right, the only worked. way, you weren't part of the economy if you had no legs or if you had one arm, but you still, you still were doing something. Even right. if you had to crawl along the ground, you were figuring out something that you had to do because no one was taking care of you, but right. you, your, your family, your church, your community, that's where you went for help. Right. Now, when you have a huge percentage of people who not only are living off the government, but they're doing better living off the government than they could even do by working. That is what's scary to me. And when a greater and greater percentage of people are taking and a smaller and smaller percentage of people are producing, right. that is the death knell. It happened of, in Rome. It's right. And it's a death knell for society. It's a death knell for a country. It's a death knell for the economy. I don't remember which Roman emperor it was that got elected to run the country, but he gave, he actually said he would give everybody free money and free food and free everything. And that was the end, that was the end of the Roman Empire. It started out where they were giving, you know, food, you know, to the population, but then, then they started paying people uh, to not work. They started giving them actually income. The, the thing that I've always had for me is that I've always felt like if, it were, if it's to be, it's up to me. I, you know, I've got to get out there. If I depended on somebody else, I never felt really comfortable with that. But you were raised differently. That's correct. But yeah. I still can't imagine anybody feeling comfortable being taken care of by someone else, being taken care of by an entity that may or may not be there one day. Okay, I can't imagine... Being comfortable with but these that. people don't understand that that entity, okay, will eventually run out of funds. You know, one of the things that I've, I often say when I speak is the government cannot give you anything that it first does not steal from someone else. <laughs> I'm sure they love hearing that. <laughs> well, but that's the truth. In other words, and but when you see, when you hear people discussing it, people who are on the, the recipient class, the zero liability voter, recipient class, right? Okay, when you ask them, 
where 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 the how are they getting the stuff? How are they getting those those phones and their fruit? Well, the government is giving. The government is giving me this. The government's giving me that. Right. There is a disconnect in their mind between the fact that you and I and people who are working for a living are providing to the government the funds necessary so they can buy with their their cars, their EBT cards and whatever, they can they can live. Right. There is no connection there. There's going to have to be a turnaround in that arena. Right. There's going to have to be a turnaround. And the government uh, knows it and, and our politicians know it, but they keep passing the buck. We have to take a time out right here on Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. More with Magic Bob Levy right after this. Well, of course, because what happened? What happens to a politician who says, "Okay, no more, no more free stuff"? Exactly. He doesn't get elected. Right. He doesn't get elected. Sometimes he even gets killed. Exactly. And so, as far as I'm concerned, we're in a situation in this country that is. uh, You know, if somebody's out there listening, if you, if if the president happens to be out there listening. And he wants to go down in history as the greatest president ever. All he has to do is expand the IRS, and it's done. I <laughs> know <laughs> uh, everybody here would love it and, you know, put a consumption tax on everybody. And then no matter who you are, even if the government's giving you money, you're going to be feeding it back somewhat. You, you, raise, a very, you raise an interesting point. One of, the, one of the programs that I really favor is the fair tax. Are you familiar with the Absolutely. fair tax? Absolutely. What a great concept that is. It's a perfect concept. Why don't you explain the, to the listeners what the fair tax is all about? Well, t- to me, it's like, uh, like I said, it's a consumption tax. In other words, if you, if you buy something, uh, there's a tax on it. Uh, whether, uh, you know, today we pay like a 7% sales tax in certain areas or 6% or 8%. But if, if the federal government would decide to maybe put a 10% tax on everything sold, so if you bought a car, 10% of that would be taxed, and you would pay that tax, and that tax would go to the government to run the show, you know. And therefore, nobody, nobody uh, has the opportunity uh, to escape the tax system unless they don't consume. And if they don't consume, they're really not in the game. They're really not, you know, you might as well be out in the woods, you know, eating rabbits and shooting squirrels and whatever. Even then you have to buy those bullets. So there's going to be some consumption. And so uh, it works really well. There's the, the drug dealers don't get away with not paying taxes and, and uh, the, you know, the, the hookers don't get away with not paying taxes and the, the smugglers don't get away with not paying taxes. And, and if you're wealthy, you buy bigger and badder toys, right? And so you pay bigger and badder taxes. And, and if you're poor, you buy the smaller toys and you pay smaller taxes. But everybody pays. And that's as simple as I, you know, as I can well, break the, it down. The fair tax is actually a planned program that was developed by Harvard economists uh, a while ago, I think a decade ago, roughly, and uh, it it is a it is a a very it's called the fair tax because everyone pays a tax, and that and that's really the point. It is a consumption tax. It's a consumption tax on retail sales only. Right. Not so food, other words, not commodities like oil and gas. Right. It's on retail sales of goods right. and services. So, like, if you buy a big screen TV, you're paying tax, and right. that tax is feeding into the economy. Right, and your choice is to consume 
or not to consume, and if you do consume, to consume large or consume small. Right. Now, of course, the fair tax also had the prebate as part of it, and that was to prevent people from saying that it's very regressive and that the poor would suffer, and so that each family unit received a check every month for uh, an amount of money that would be the fair tax on what they need to survive, basic necessities. Basic of, consumption. The right. Basic consumption. Food, water, uh, clothing, yeah, well, like rent or, or, and food and, right. and, and utilities. And so it was a tax that was very well designed. It would have brought ca- capital from all around the world would have flowed into the United States. Corporations would be headquartered here, would be moving from all over the world here right because there'd, here. Be, there'd be no corporate income tax, no personal income tax, no death tax, no, no tax at all except on consumption of new sales, new goods. So as, a, as an educated man like you are, why do you suppose that our government um, has placed such a heavy taxation on the corporate world um, and forced companies out of this country? Why do you suppose that's going on? It's a good question because it is so counterintuitive to me. Anyone, I, have, I don't have a degree in economics, but I know that's bad business. Yeah, you don't have to be a genius. You don't add, all you need to be able to do is add two and two and come up with four to understand that what you tax, you get less of. Right. That's, that, has been, that is what, as old as gold, I guess. Older. You know. Older. Yeah, yeah you, if you want to reduce something, put a big tax on it. That's how our country got founded. You know? so it's just um, amazing to me that if we want to bring all these companies back to America, why aren't we reducing our tax? Why aren't we reducing it from 35% to 10% or something of that nature that, to attract these people back? Why are we pushing our companies globally? Instead well, of bringing them because back? we've entered into an era in which... Uh, what would best be described as not free market capitalism, but crony capitalism. And corporations are protected by the government as long as they uh, comply with the government and work to, to promote the government agendas. So you have corporations that get breaks one way or another. What do you think our tax code? What is the income tax code? The income tax code is one tax break after another for people in favor and higher taxes for people not in favor. That's, that's why there are 70,000 pages in the IRS code. I often thought it was really just ridiculous. Our entire Constitution was four handwritten pages. That's it. We have run our entire country on four handwritten pages for 230 years, and the IRS code is 70,000 pages. But what's in those pages is a tax break for Warren Buffett, a tax break for J.P. Morgan, a tax break for this guy, a tax break for that. A tax break for General Electric. For General Electric, for Jeffrey Immelt and all. And so that's the tax code, the reason that it's not going away, even though a fair tax or even a flat tax would be so much better for the economy. It's not going away because those people are powerful people who are getting tax breaks from the government and they don't want to lose them. And they pay for the campaigns for these, I was, I was going to use some kind of derogatory no, term. No, don't use derogatory. However. Because they're our guys. 
No, they're not. Yeah, they are. <laughs> no, no, they're you not. Might not. They may be your guys. Them, they, but they're they ain't guys. my guys. The problem is, there's, I can count on the fingers of one or two hands the the people in in Congress who are worth anything. Right. But people there who are, have any, there are people who there. have one ounce of principle of ethics. Right. Of ethics, one ounce of principle. I, I I have trouble naming more than five right now. So, what do you think of this, um, Doctor Ben Carson? Since you're a doctor. I like Dr. Ben Carson. I met him personally. He's, what do you a, think? he's a real gentleman. He's a, he's a, he has an interesting story. Uh, what I like the most about him is that he had he had the fortitude in front of the president to tell the president that he didn't know what he was doing, truth. and that he had a he told him the truth. Right. You know, one of the things that is in short supply in our country is the truth. Is in the government is the truth. Right. You know, but I want to thank you, Magic Bob, because today, in our discussions, you have told the truth. You have you told know, the what, truth at gold. Before we close it out, yeah. I would like to just ask you, maybe give a suggestion to the average person, what they can do about the predicament there we're in and how they can help themselves and help their families to, you know, to be stronger and be better and be a, help us grow well, off the top of my head, and I'm gl- if, if you want to know, I will say the following. I think people need to be prepared for the worst that will happen. They need to be able to say they can feed their family, they can take care of their family medically, uh, they have food and water and a source of energy, uh, something that they can rely upon when times get tough. I think that Homeschooling in this era, the safest thing you can do for a child is to homeschool them so that you give them the proper ethics, the proper principles, teach them the things they need to know. I think you need to take your funds and you need to invest them in commodities that will be wealth preservation commodities like gold, like silver, like things that you will need, like food, uh guns and ammo and and commodities that will be of use to you, uh, things that will not lose their value. I think those are the kind of things that we need to do um, as families. Good. That's good. Good advice. That's good advice. Yes, it is. Well, thank you, Magic Bob, for being on the program. And thank you gold, for having me, Dr. And if anyone ever had a doubt, gold is wealth preservation. The actual dollar value of gold doesn't matter one bit. Right. As a matter of fact, just in closing, if someone, if you had bought gold 10 years ago and it is now quadrupled in value and they came to you and said, okay, your gold is quadrupled in value, why don't you sell it for a, a pile of worthless paper dollars? What would you say to them? <laughs> <laughs> Good luck, right? <laughs> Good luck. Thank you, Magic Bob. It Thank has you, been a pleasure. Dan, a pleasure. Thank you so much for being a guest on Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. All right. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Yeah, when I played the hoochie coochie man, I get joy.
everything. Everything. Everything gonna be all right this morning. Peace.